This is Creator Culture by Hashtag Pink. Hey, I'm Danny DeSatnik, and if you're new here, this is a podcast all about creators. I chat with incredible creators and sometimes the people that support them, like this week, to understand three things, how creators are building their brands, what their brand partnerships look like, and what to expect in the future from this world of creators. So welcome to week 27. And when starting a business, you need to come up with the product and then find the audience. But this is where creators have a leg up. They already have the audience. For them, it's an exercise in deciding what products to sell. It's not all smooth sailing though. Their real challenge is figuring out a plan to build their brand beyond their current audience, which is why this week I'm talking to Brian Spunt. Brian is the CEO of Seek Discomfort, the clothing brand started by well-known creators, Yes Theory. One thing is clear, Brian found his perfect role. His background is in e-commerce having worked for a fashion company. He's really passionate about fashion and believes in the Seek Discomfort mantra. There aren't many brands like Seek Discomfort as their clothing embodies a true way of life. It's really one of a kind. Brian wants to build the world's biggest family alongside Yes Theory. And believe me, you want to be a part of it. So let's get to the good stuff. Here's my conversation with Brian Spunt. Our vision with Seek Discomfort has always been how do we build this into a brand that has its own legs and, and can have its own strategy separate of Yes Theory, right? So always attached to the Yes Theory guys. They're the founders of the brand. They started this whole movement. But how do we build you know, a strategy independent of what Yes Theory is doing as well that can grow, seek discomfort you know, beyond just what Yes Theory is going to make it, right? And I think that's where we start to look into like, what does seek discomfort mean beyond yes theory and who are the people that live that philosophy that aren't yes theory that, or that are friends with the yes theory guys. Um, you know, I think pretty early on, we, we spark, uh, sponsored Anders Hoffman who did the Iceman, which was an Ironman triathlon in Antarctica. Right. So like, how do we tell those cool stories of people who are really living out the philosophy? Um, but I don't think it's, it's something that's comes naturally. Uh, because I think at first it's like, okay, we have this built-in audience and this customer base that's already familiar with said creator. Like, let's tell that narrative really well. But then I think as you grow and look to expand and, you know, I think the exciting thing for me running Seek Discomfort is how do I bring people into Seek Discomfort first and then they find out about Yes Theory second, right? And then we're really starting to share from both sides and growing like the whole, uh, the whole movement. Okay, this is so many things I, I want to ask. From you have a background being a, a D2C operator, pop sockets, and then there was some clothing experience, then came to Yes Theory or came to seek discomfort working with Yes Theory. And you just mentioned about how when you are a creator, initially you're trying to just conquer your fan base in terms of selling products to them. But I feel like that's very different than traditional D2C, where you're continuously trying to feed top of the funnel with just new people to get them into the brand. How does D2C really differ in the traditional sense when the brand is being led by a creator? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, I think good brands, whether it's a creator backed business or a regular D2C business, they're trying to do the same thing. But I think when you start with a creator backed business, it's almost like, um, have you heard um, Simon Sinek, the start with why, right? And so it's almost like creator-backed businesses start with why, right? Like Yes Theory started with content. They started with value, add to this community of people. They started with an idea. They started with a philosophy. 
And for years, they just like gave out value add and gave out content and gave out really like they poured their heart and soul into this thing for free just to like connect with people and just live more authentic lives themselves, right? And then we introduced a product versus a lot of like D2C brands, they start with the product and then it's like, okay, how do we figure out what our why is? Like, why are we even doing this? Sure, we make a great backpack. Sure, we make great sunglasses. Sure, we make, you know, a great hoodie, but why are we doing it? And so I think like it's almost in reverse where a lot of D2C brands start with good product or really good product and they spend a lot of time R&Ding the product um, and and coming up with something that's really, you know, incredible and it differentiates them from other products. There's, you know, all of these different components of the product and they've really spent a lot of time there. But then they need to figure out, like, to your point, how do we get traffic? How do we tell a story? What do we actually, like, stand for? And why should people care about our brand based on every other you know, sunglasses brand, every other backpack brand, every other clothing company. And so I really think the future of brands are going to be backed by creators just because the space is getting so saturated. And I think early in the the D2C game, there were a lot of people that were super effective at filling top of funnel. Um, you think of like, like Movement Watches is always a great example. And Jake, what he did over there with, with that company, like, you know, they built that company and brought in all this new traffic through paid social and, you know, tons of other different marketing angles. But I think the space is getting so crowded and you have all this stuff that's going on with privacy now and retargeting and, and data loss. And it's just becoming more and more challenging to pull in a brand new audience off of, um, you know, marketing tactics that used to be really effective. And so I think the difference lies in when you start with a creator, you have the built-in audience. If the creator's done a really good job, you know, I think not all creators have done what yesterday's done, but if you have a creator that really has a, a, a loyal connection with their following, you start with this huge customer base versus starting with a product and then trying to build it from there. It must be such an exciting position that you're in because not only are they incredible creators, but it's a genuine lifestyle. And the coolest thing about clothing is that that's an expression of who you are like potentially your truth and to bring those two things together it feels like the perfect business and it feels like a business that just has an opportunity to grow so far beyond the creators because it's it's just it's like part of the human condition like we, we, we're either seeking discomfort or seeking comfort but at the end of the day it's such a common message what's that like day to day being part of not only working with those creators then also getting to interact with that community that's just as you were saying so worldwide it's really powerful. And it's the reason why I, I ended up joining the team. Um, when I left Elwood Clothing, the last company I was at, I was going to start my own brand because I kind of saw this, what we were just talking about, like the windows closing of being able to like scale e-com brands, just getting more competitive. And so I'm like, I'm going to just start my own brand, put in the three to five years of you know hard work to build this community. And, um, and the, you know, I was talking to the Yes Theory guys and I'm like, this is just too cool of an opportunity and too big of an opportunity to pass up. Um, because what they've done is like, you know, I think more and more every day, this idea of seeking discomfort is becoming um, more mainstream. But like when they first started the brand, you know, even myself, right. And this is a hurdle we have to overcome with the brand is like the name seek discomfort is a little aggressive in the beginning, right? Like you hear it and you're like, well, what, what does that mean? What's that all about? If you're, if you're not familiar with yesterday, if you're not familiar with, the philosophy, but um, I think when you really understand 
what we're doing here and what the community is all about, it becomes like incredibly powerful. And I've never seen a digital community that's more engaged than what Yes Theory has built. Um, you know, we have like 150,000 people in our, our Yes Fam Facebook group. We have 70,000 people in the Yes Fam Discord channel. And like every day, these people are like supporting one another. They're interacting with each other. There's incredible stories of people getting married or people like, being supportive of one another to like go check something off their bucket list. And so I think for me, it's like, I, I have a serious passion for clothing. Um, I love building brands and D2C businesses. And the missing link for me was always like this piece of like, why am I doing this and kind of value add. And so when I stumbled into this yesterday opportunity, I was like, oh, this is like a really incredible spot that has all these things that I really appreciate. Um, you know, it's, it's, it really is exciting. I think when, you know, a lot of, a lot of times I'll connect with people in the community, um, through what we call seeker sessions and just like meet new people and just talk to our customers. And it like really, uh, makes it worthwhile. You know, when I have weeks where I'm just like, so in the weeds and working long hours and building this business, like in my freaking home, you know, because of the pandemic, I'm like, what am I doing? You know, D2C sometimes gets pretty lonely because like, you know, our products going from the factory to the warehouse, everything's done on computers. I'm not seeing our customers in person. So having that community and like, you know, when we throw a Zoom event with 500 people on it, or, you know, I do a secret session and connect with someone and I see like the people behind the brand or, you know, I go on Instagram and scroll through our tagged photos and people are tagging like, an adventure they just went on and they're wearing their hoodie or they're jumping out of an airplane or they're going to med school or they're becoming a photographer or whatever it might be. It really like is, is it gives me a sense of like purpose. Um, so I think it's, it's pretty exciting to have all three of those kind of pieces align. And it's cool to hear how with this opportunity for you to be their CEO, that was the missing link for your why. And so it's cool to see the, the alignment there. What's it like when you travel and you're wearing Seek Discomfort and someone else is a fan and comes up to you? I feel like that embrace would be incredible. It's pretty powerful. You know, the, the, the person on our team who manages all of our operations, I met him on the street because I was wearing my Seek Discomfort hoodie and, you know, came up, gave him a big hug. What's up? How are you? Get a Seek Discomfort tattoo. We went and got coffee the next day. He started working on some projects for us. This was super early on and now he's, you know, managing all the operations for all of our drops. And so it's like, it's, I think it's really powerful. Um, I think there's certain cultures uh, in the world that really embrace this idea of like a stranger as a friend, you know, like you see in some of the yesterday videos where, um, you know, you have these people just invite them into their home and have them sleep on their couch or invite them over for dinner. And I want like, the Seek Discomfort logo to embody the same thing. Um, and I think right now it's done a really effective job at that because the community is so tight. And I think the the challenge that we'll have to overcome as we grow is like, how do we keep that connection while the community still builds, right? Like if you see someone wearing a Nike swoosh, like there's no connection there, right? Like maybe if it's like a super niche Nike drop that like only a handful of people know about, you'll connect over it. But like a regular Nike hoodie, you're not going to walk up and give the guy a hug, you know? So like, how do we maintain that level of, of community? And really, it feels like family to me. Like, how do we maintain that as the scale 
grows. Um, and then I think Amar has huge visions about like, how do we build this, this interconnected city of like locations where people can meet up and know that when they walk through the front door, like it's people that all live the philosophy and all want to be, you know, want to go outside their comfort zone. They want to meet new people. They want to try new things. They're going after their dreams, all of that. So that's like, you know, I think when you look at the goals for the business, I kind of always focus on three things, making products that remind the user or the customer to live out the philosophy. So if I'm wearing the hat, you know, I'm more encouraged today. And it's a reminder for myself to continue to push through fear, to continue to try those new things. Um, Secondly, it's going to connect me with others in the real world because someone's going to say, hey, what does your hat say? I'm going to say, oh, it says seek discomfort. And they're going to be like, oh, what does that mean, right? Um, And then the third one is this whole idea of family, right? Like how do I connect people in the real world and and just build this global family? It's so incredible to hear how you seek discomfort and yes theory you're building and just the prospects. Like as you're talking, I can imagine there can be an airline. I can imagine there's like a worldwide race. I can imagine hotels. Like you can imagine so much because it's so core to just who individuals are. Yet in this creator space, so often creators have such a hard time building beyond their audience. I was listening to an interview with Graham Stephan a couple days ago, and he was saying he started Bankroll Coffee, but his struggle now is how do you build beyond my audience and how do you make this actually a functional product? What would you say creators need to do to go beyond or can help them go beyond that audience based off of your experience? I would say um, partnering with an operator, right? Like myself, you know, like, and I think that's the beauty of my partnership with Yes Theory is like, we really can maintain our focus, right? Like my experience is in building brands and building direct-to-consumer brands and building clothing brands. And they're incredible storytellers, they're incredible innovators, they're incredible content creators, right? So it's like, you know, they, when they launch Seek Discomfort, they're like, holy shit, we have a serious business on our hands, right? We need to find someone um, that can build this. And when they hired me, it was like, you're, whole role is to build this beyond yes theory, right? So while they focus on how do we become the best creators we can be, how do we build the best and strongest community? You know, how do we tell the best stories? I'm focusing on, okay, how do I make this business viable beyond just the yes theory side, right? And I think my my vision and my goals are always twofold, right? How do I nurture and take care of the yes theory community and really treat them like the VIPs that they are? And then how do I try and pull in new customers through different, different avenues. So I would say like having that, like once you realize that there's a a real business there, right? Like if you launch that coffee brand or you launch the clothing brand, you do a drop, you do two drops and you're like, okay, I just ran this out of my garage. And like, there's something here. I think strategically partnering with someone that has experience with, you know, operating um, is incredibly helpful because it allows you to focus on what you're really good at, which is being a creator and creating content. And, you know, I think that's the thing that fuels the business. So keep focusing on that, keep growing that, and then find someone that can really lay the foundation to, to grow a business. One of the things that I always talk about with the guys um, is like owned versus rented audiences, right? So like if you're a creator and you're on YouTube, you're on Instagram, you're on TikTok, like TikTok, you don't, own those audiences, right? You're renting them from the company or from the platform. And at any moment, like algorithm can change, you know, there's like 
way back when you post on Instagram and everyone that you were following or everyone that was following you pretty much saw it. Right. And then it was like, Oh wow, we just got throttled way back. And now like even more, it continues to get throttled where like you scroll on Instagram, you're being fed all this stuff that you don't even follow anymore. And so I think like focusing on as a creator, you know, that YouTube channel with X million followers or X hundred thousand followers, that's like your top of funnel space. But when you push them to a website or to a brand, right? That's where you can start to turn that rented audience into an own audience. So email list, text message list, the operator can now have a direct communication line to those customers versus needing to post on the YouTube channel every single time. Yeah. And hearing you say this, it reminds me of like the classic conversation, the classic debate that comes up often, which is like, do you sell merch? Or do you build a brand? Do you go short term or do you go long term? Do you see the trend going more towards genuinely building brands and working with operators like you, or is it still short term cash grab? I think it all depends on on the creator, right? Their resources, their vision, like what are they trying to do? It might not necessarily be the right play for all influencers or all creators to to go the long-term play, right? Because when you go the long-term play, like you're investing in things that aren't going to pay dividend tomorrow. And and so it, it does take a hit on cash flow versus if you're just going to do everything on demand and use Printful and just like, you know, there's no cash invested. It's just like you launch something, you sell a thing, you get a check, right? And so for some creators, that might be the right route. I think if you have a more long-term vision and like Yes Theory always talks about like seek discomfort and Yes Theory as like, this is something that's going to live beyond them. So they've always been very long-term thinkers. Like this is not about making cash for them. Uh, And so I think if you have that kind of vision, like, hey, I don't just make videos, but I actually, there's something that I believe in here and I want to build this over a long period of time. I think there's much more long-term value there. Uh, it just is, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little harder. Uh, you're going to invest in things, like I said, that won't necessarily make you money tomorrow and you might be a little tighter on cash flow, but I think the value that you build long-term outweighs that. It's, it's always going to be challenging to build a big business. You know, there's always going to be hurdles that come up. There's always going to be speed bumps. There's always going to be things that go wrong. And um, I think really having good partners is continues to just be so important. You're never going to have like an easy go at it. There's always different, different um, challenges that you'll run into. Like I said, with a creator based business, you have a ton of traffic, but you're starting from scratch with everything else. So you're just dumping this huge amount of, you know, visibility into something that's like brand new so that that creates a a whole nother realm of challenges um and and on the other side it's like you know i have have an incredible product but how do i get visibility right like no one cares about it no and if they got the product in their hands they would so it's it's um i think it's it's you know it's always going to be challenging and i think that's something that i keep reminding myself of as i just get more into my career and more into life i think like life and business are both very variable and so like just trying to have a bird's eye view at it and looking like you know you when you're when you're in the lowest of the lows and everything feels like it's on fire and you just have one of those days where nothing is going right like just taking a deep breath and stepping back from it from a minute right like it's so easy to just get like absorbed into your computer and you have a hundred emails and the website's breaking and customers are pissed and 
you know, yes theories like blowing me up, like, why'd you do? And, it, and it's like, okay, let's just take a step back. Like it's all going to be okay. And then, you know, there's another, there's another peak around the corner, right? Like, so I think just trying to have that bird's eye view is, is, um, uh, has been really important to me. You were talking about the four elements of business. Like it's not only content commerce, but then there's also community and education. I think like over the past couple minutes that we've been chatting, it's so clear that community is like probably the one of the strongest, obviously content is there. How do you and the team at Seek Discomfort look to continue to foster community? What are the different strategies and elements that you're using? At the end of the day, it's something that I really admire about the S3 guys is every decision we make, right? Like they hired me to put like my business brain on and like run a business, but my strategic decisions are always checked up against like, how does this benefit the community, right? Or how does this further our mission to connect the community, right? We're never making a decision. If at the end of the day, we're like, oh, this is really just like a cash grab. It's like, okay, then let's table it until there's value there. Um, So I think for starters, we really try and just focus on every decision we make, like how is this going to benefit the community in some way? Is it going to grow the community? Is it going to make the community more tight knit? Is it going to add value to someone's lives in in some way? So I think that's like kind of at the forefront. And then I think the other thing is like, now that we've kind of proven the model, I think, you know, I'm going out to Europe next week to meet with Amar to just talk about how we grow our team internally at Seek. And I think the next round of like strategic hires are going to be really centered on, you know, like we're talking about a full-time hire who their, their like title and their role is like, you know, UX and community, right? Like how do we make sure that we're monitoring and understanding what's going on in the Facebook group, what's going on in the Discord channel, what's going on at all of these meetups, right? Um, and I think just continuing to be curious about like what's currently going on within this like expansive global community and then like what's our role in it and how can we continue to like enter the room and be like, hey, it's Seek Discomfort again. Like you guys are doing a great job, but here's like some value. And then we like can walk out, close the door and like let them keep doing what they're doing. Because the community is already like, Yes Theory created this spark and then like the communities run with it. Like we're not, we're not behind all these meetups that are going on. We're not behind a lot of the value that's here. So I think we don't want to like, be too overpowering and try and control it all. We like that it's very organic and fluid and, you know, really run by the community itself. But how do we just insert ourselves at strategic moments and just like deliver some value and, you know, deliver education, deliver entertainment, deliver content, strengthen the community. Um, So I think that starting to bring in people that their focus isn't like day-to-day execution, because right now our team is really like, how do we execute this business? Because it's a small team. And now we're getting to a point where we're hiring people that we're like, okay, we're the business is being operated and the strategy is working. I want you to now look like six, eight, 12 months down the road and start to build out programs that can really add value to our community. You know, things like building out an ambassador program, um, I think is is big on our list of like, how do we get all these people that are, you know, the VIPs of the Yes fam that are ultra engaged, how do we get them into a group and how do we add strategic value there and how do we connect them more to the brand? Um, I think big picture, as the world goes back to normal, I think just tripling down on in-person experiences is going to be huge for us. 
Um, you know, like I said, there's all these meetups going on and we're really not involved in them. And so what happens if we start to get involved and, you know, we three weeks out market, a, you know, uh, market a meetup that's going to be going on in Germany and like, you know, we're sponsoring people's tickets to fly in. There's like live music. Like, what does that look like at scale? And then you just continue to go into these larger visions that Omar has of, you know, sponsoring people within the community that are trying to do these incredible feats that live out the seek discomfort philosophy, like uh, Anders and, you know, the Iceman challenge that he did. And how do we continue to support those people? How do we build places within communities and within cities where people can meet up? How do we sponsor uh adventures right like we're, we're coming out with a card game um in december and uh the whole idea behind it is like we, we pulled a lot of inspiration from we're not really strangers and, and we're good friends with them and um how do you drive connection through better conversation and then at the end of the game we actually have people scan a qr code and we've curated like adventures for them to go on so how do we like find a way for, you know, delivering this thing to the community that then allows them to drive deeper connections, drive more meaningful experiences through adventure, things like that. So back to, I think what you said in the very beginning, like we always have a million projects and a million ideas going on. So it's like my, my job now is like, really, how do I build the right team to be able to execute? Cause the ideas are endless. Like you said, the airline, the hotel, the travel company like you know it's it's there's so many ways to to continue to unite the community and educate people about the philosophy i think there's a big piece long term about education right like we don't necessarily ever talk about seek discomfort directly in terms of like the science behind it or the psychology behind it teaching about that a bit more um uh, is also something i'm excited about When's the David Goggins Seek Discomfort collab coming out? I hope soon. We gotta. So we're we're working on a full activewear collection um, that's dropping next year. So uh, activewear as well as like athleisure for travel. So um, I think like once we have our activewear collection, I'm really excited about some strategic partnerships like you know trying to get a hold of David Goggins or others. You know I have a Peloton and um, you know there's like Peloton coaches that all the time are like, you got to get outside your comfort zone. I'm like, we need to sponsor you. So um, yeah. Or like you're in a yoga studio and they're talking about, you know, getting outside your comfort zone. I think there's, there's a ton of really cool partnerships there. And I think like, even just on our immediate horizon of the next like 12 months, you know, we have our clothing, we've created our essentials, which are just like available on the site every day and have more subtle branding and come in like different colors every quarter. Uh, we do our drops, which are like themes where we tell stories. Um, a lot of the times we'll donate to charity and the graphics relate to that story that we're telling. And then we're launching jewelry. Full jewelry line is dropping in December. We have active wear coming early next year. So we have a full active wear collection. We're starting to focus more on these collaborations. And so I think like through each one of those verticals, how can we like build independent teams and then build these independent partnerships? Like you said, like, it would be incredible to do a collaboration with David Goggins and seek discomfort for activewear. Like it makes so much sense. And it's just like having the time and the resources to like go make the right pitch and like go find how to get our foot in the door back to like the value of a creator backed business. 
when we go pitch a collaboration, it's not like, hey, we're Seek Discomfort, we're this cool brand, like we should collab and share audiences. It's like so much deeper than that. It's like, hey, we're Seek Discomfort, we're this cool brand with this audience, but we also have this like massive global community and two YouTube channels with like over 7 million subscribers total, right? So if you have the brand side plus the media side, when you go to pitch collaborations, you like have this really cohesive package that I think makes it more appealing than just a brand to brand collaboration. Oh, so interesting. You're saying that it, it makes me think of influencer marketing. There's the production side and there's the distribution side. And that di distribution side is just a vehicle of trust that you can't get anywhere else. On the topic of collaborations, like I've seen what you guys have done with movement and you saying Timbuktu and like writings from Michael, that Jean Jacket was super cool. How do you and the team decide how often to collaborate? Because I feel like there might be an element of, oh, do they just collaborate or are they truly their own brand? Like what goes into that decision-making? It's an interesting question because I do see a lot of brands like collaborations are like super hot right now. And I, I know why, like they're really valuable addition to the brand. Um, but I think there is a line there to your point where it's like people are following our page and following our brand because of the philosophy. And so I think if we just start like throwing our name on a ton of product and just like every other week, there's a collaboration with a new brand and it's like, buy the Seek Discomfort sofa. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Like, so I, I think like, in right now, just to be honest, like our team is small. And so like a lot of decision-making is not as strategic as I, I wish it would be. And I think we're getting very close, but in, in all honesty, like when you're starting a, a smaller business, like it's, it's a constant prioritize, prioritization and allocation of resources, right? So it's like, okay, I only have so much manpower on the team. What is gonna actually like, what are we actually gonna be able to accomplish at the level that we really value and um, try and hold true for our brand? So in 2019, we basically did our first drop and we launched like a hundred styles on the website. It's like the most product we ever had, hundred new graphics. And the first week, everyone got access to the hundred new graphics. And then the following week for Black Friday, we said, hey, our Black Friday deal, same 100 styles minus a few styles that are sold out. And now you get a free gift with purchase, right? And we got a ton of backlash from the community. Like, what the hell? I purchased last week and I didn't get the gift with purchase. So then going into 2020, when we're building our strategy, we're like, hey, that was really not good. Obviously, we, we never meant to piss off the community, but we did. So it needs to be fixed. So then in 2020, we launched, okay, now what we're going to do is three independent drops. Each drop has its own graphics, so it's unique. And each drop has its own gift with purchase item. So, and it worked really well. So now we're like, okay, great. Let's carry that strategy through to this year, but let's just do it better. Like, how can we have better collections? How can we tell better stories? How can we make better product? It starts in the beginning of the year, trying to build out that strategy, looking at the data, looking at the history of what we did, and then slating out our year in terms of what our strategy is and then figuring out where do collaborations align. In 2019, you dropped that, that collection with unique designs, and then a little later, you dropped the same thing, but with a gift purchase, and people were mad. And as 
we've heard you say here today, like the idea is like build this worldwide family, access for everyone, give this ability for everyone to live out their best life. But usually with collaborations and this, as you were saying, the hype of drops now, a lot of it's exclusive. NFTs, it's exclusive. Like there's only a certain amount. How do you think of exclusivity in terms of like that creating that hype, but then be mindful of the community, as you were saying, to make sure that everyone gets the chance and they don't feel left out? Yeah, it's it's a tough balance, right? Because I think there's a lot of things you're trying to trying to balance all at once, right? It's like growing the business financially, right? fostering the community and then like yeah the scarcity definitely plays into like growing a d2c business and so when i got here we were only doing these limited edition drops that were available for like three days the drops were going really well and uh it just in between a drop period you'd go to the website and there was nothing there there wasn't a way to participate with the brand and so one of the first things that i worked on was this whole essentials collection so now like any day that you go to our website you can come and buy a seeker essential and like, you know, wear your t-shirt and be proud to be a part of the community. And it'll serve as the reminder. It'll connect you with other people in the world, right? Like you're in, right? And then we do have these exclusive events that like everyone's invited. You just got to make sure you're paying attention, right? And so it's like, we've extended the drops from only being three days to being a week because we realize that sometimes like, you know, someone might not be able to participate in those three days. And so we pushed out the drops are now a week long. And then in between the drops, we have product that's available for people. Uh, and so I think, yeah, it's like when I built the essentials line, there was the fear of, is this going to cannibalize our drop business, right? Are we going to basically create less excitement for the drops because people are just buying the essentials in between the drops that it's going to strategically not be good for the business? Um, it turned out that wasn't the case. Uh, but we also found that we need to do a really good job at telling stories around our drops because this was another big lesson. When I first got here, every drop we did, it didn't matter what we did. It was just like exploding because the yes theory guys had spent years just adding value to people's lives. So the second they were like, Hey, we have something for sale. It would just like the website would explode every time. And so at first we're like, I think that people just want a lot of like new graphics all the time. So we were like, okay, every single month we're doing a drop. That was my first vision when I got here. And after like about three or four of them, number one, it was driving us crazy because it's an incredible amount of work. And number two, I was like, people don't seem to be attaching to this. Like, I don't think this is adding value. And so we pulled back, we kind of brainstormed and that's when we came up this philosophy of having the seeker essentials. And then when we do drops, doing less of them, but being more impactful. So like, you know, we did the moonshot collection earlier this year, which was all about like huge dreams, right? Like what's your moonshot? What's the dream that's so big that it scares you? And, um, you know, we did Zoom sessions where people could connect and talk to people that also had the same dream as them. We had keynote speakers around the drop. So like, even if you didn't buy from the drop, like there was value to be had there. We told this story, we got the community involved and then the drop launches and all the graphics are about like dreaming big, you know? So you can like now wear it and like live out that dream. Or the other drop we did after that, You Are Not Alone, which was in Mental Health Awareness Month. And we donated um, proceeds to Active Minds that focuses on uh, nonprofit work with uh, or uh, mental health work with kids in uh, universities and, and college age students. And, you know, told a really incredible story about like mental health. And we started this um, this campaign 
called What I Learned in Therapy and encourage people to share what they've learned by going to therapy if they've been kind of twofold. Number one, to try and destigmatize the idea of therapy. And number two, if people necessarily can't afford it or don't have access to therapy, they could look up this hashtag and just kind of like educate a little bit about like what people are talking about in therapy and what they're learning. So I think that the balance there is unique probably to every brand, but I think you kind of, and this is true to DTC in general, it's like test, look at the data and adjust. So, and, and talk to the community, talk to your customers. So for us, I think that the perfect balance is like our seeker essentials, you know, a bit lower price than our drop stuff. It's available all the time. Our drops are exclusive. They're only available for a week and then they're gone. Uh, we also, for Seekers Day, another thing that we do, um, the whole idea was like, you know, maybe someone missed a drop or maybe someone can't afford a drop at full price. So once a year for 48 hours, we bring back every single best-selling graphic we've ever made in the company's history and we market 30% off. Well, I think anyone would be lucky to join your team whenever you do start hiring because it sounds incredibly exciting. Let me, to end this off, let me ask you this. You see, I'm sure a lot of creator businesses, you probably talk to a lot of operators that work with creators. Are you seeing a trend in a certain area with creators right now in terms of a product category? You know, I think what's what's happening right now is cate- categories are being explored that weren't before, right? So I think before it was just merch. Like that's all people knew. I'm going to get a t-shirt and I'm going to print a logo on a t-shirt, right? And then I think like the next evolution was brands like Seek Discomfort, um, you know, Milk Boys have their, their brand Full Send, which is like a totally different arena from what we're doing. But I really respect like those guys have focused on actually building a brand, not just like building merch. So I think that was the next evolution of like, okay, we're going to do clothing, but we're actually going to treat it as if it's a real brand with its own team. And it's not going to be just like a shitty Gildan t-shirt with like a screen print on it. And now I think the evolution that we're seeing is like creators are realizing like, oh, clothing is not right for everyone. Um, and if if all I talk about is coffee, then maybe it makes sense to make a coffee brand. Or, you know, if I am a fitness influencer, maybe it makes sense to, to make activewear product. Or maybe it makes sense to do an online course where we're working out together. I think there's, um, I think digital products like, if you have the ability to, to make a digital product, I would highly recommend it because managing inventory is very challenging. So I think a lot of like new digital businesses are popping up. Um, and uh, I think that's super exciting of like, you know, apps where, um, you know, uh, like an influencer who's like all about creating the right aesthetic and taking great photos and maybe came from a photography background, like, instead of making a clothing brand, like they're the ones that are making apps like the Teza app where you go and you plug in a photo and they have all these filters. And I mean, those things are incredibly successful. So I'd say like right now, if I, if, if you, if you're a creator and you have a successful, you know, YouTube channel, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever it is, um, I would really take a hard look uh, at two things. Number one, like, what are you really passionate about and what do you care about? Because like any business you build, like I said earlier, is going to be really hard. And so you kind of got to like, at least like it, if not like love it, you know, as a category, because you're going to spend a lot of time like in meetings, talking about coffee, talking about editing photos, talking about clothing. So you should like it for, for one. And then number two, like 
does your audience care about it? And I think there's some creators that aren't necessarily in alignment with their audience, right? Like, you know, if, if, if you're an Instagram model, for example, like, you know, maybe there's a lot of other girls that look up to you and want to be, but there's probably a lot of guys that are following your page. Right. And so if you launch a bikini brand, like you're probably going to be targeting a much smaller sub segment of your total audience. So I think like looking at, I think we're seeing the evolution of, okay, what is the right category for me? And then I think the strategic plan is what do I care about? What does my audience care about? And then also just like, I think, you know, entrepreneurship 101, a lot of people wait way too long to talk to their customers, right? Like don't go build this business in a silo and then launch it and hope that it's successful. Like go onto your, you know, Instagram story and say like, okay, you know, I'm working on a project who would be interested in giving me some feedback, click to the next slide, swipe up Google form, input your name, your email, all of that. Okay, now depending on the size of the influencer, you have three to five thousand people who are like a sub segment of your total audience, and you send them a survey that's like, "Hey, what do you think about coffee? What do you think about clothing? What do you think about?" And and you can even like on a more simple fashion, right? I like that because then you have this once again owned audience of this email segment that you can hit multiple times to continue to get feedback. But another one is like just put a poll on your story. You know, would you be interested in this? Yes, no. Which colors do you like more, black or green? You know, like, um, so I think that's the evolution in the creator-based businesses is like, okay, it's not just merch anymore. It can it can really be any business. And that's why I believe creator-based or backed businesses are the future because they're now expanding beyond clothing, right? They're now in the supermarket on the drink shelf or, you know, on the, in the supermarket on the coffee aisle or in the app store. They're starting to just come up everywhere. So I would say uh, that whole idea of alignment of product and self and product and audience um, is starting to be explored more, which, which I think is really beneficial. Yeah.